The following audio is from Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in becoming a part of our extended family, visit midtowncolumbia.com partner. Good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Ryan. I am uh, one of the pastors uh, at uh, primarily our downtown church. I help oversee college life groups and recovery uh, and baptism, but uh, oftentimes get to the joy of uh, coming here and, and teaching uh, teaching over here at Two Notch. I was actually at downtown two weeks ago, and I've tried not to let the, uh, the cat out of the bag that I, uh, I love preaching at all of our churches, but I love preaching here. And I try not to let the cat out of the bag, but I accidentally let it slip. And there was a little bit of enmity there, and I, uh, I said, well, just be better, and then I might like y'all more. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, so, want to look, uh, we're looking at John 10 uh, today. Uh, throughout this series, the, we're looking at the I am statements of Jesus throughout the, the book of John. So, uh, today we'll be looking at John uh, chapter 10. All throughout these I am statements, uh, Jesus is, is making some radical claims. He's, he's claiming that he himself is God. And so, uh, he's not claiming, like we talked about last week, he's not claiming to be a prophet sent by God. He's not claiming uh, just to be a good teacher. He's claiming to be God himself. So uh, today we're going to be looking at Jesus' claim that he's a good shepherd, uh, that, he, that he cares for God's people. So before we get to uh, John 10, I want to do uh, a couple of uh, steps before we get to the, the main part. But uh, when Jesus says that he's claiming to be a good shepherd, he's, he's actually insinuating something. Uh, he is saying that if he is a good shepherd, that those who follow him are sheep. So there's, there's two things with Jesus claiming to be a good shepherd. First, he's saying that I am, I'm a leader. I'm a leader of sheep. The second thing that he's saying is he's calling us sheep, which is actually not a compliment. Uh, sheep are not known for their wits. They are not known uh, for, to be self-sustaining. Uh, they're actually uh, one of the dumbest animals uh, in the universe. So uh, a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago, the, the mirror in, in the United Kingdom had, a, had an article posted, and we've got a picture of it, but uh, there were 116 sheep that were killed because they were scared of a dog that was barking. So uh, they weren't mutilated. They weren't eaten. They were, they were scared to death by dogs uh, barking, which is why, maybe why over and over and over, uh, God all throughout scripture reminds us, fear not, I'm with you. Because we're sheep and we get scared really easily and we can be, even be scared, scared to death. So uh, a couple of other, other there's references all across uh, the, the Bible uh, referring to us as sheep and, and God as the good shepherd. Psalm 23, David says that the Lord is his shepherd. In Psalm 80, Asaph addresses God as the shepherd of Israel, and he says that, uh, that God leads his people like a flock. Even more detail in Isaiah 40, verse 11. We've got this on the screen. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So all throughout the scriptures, we see that uh, throughout the Old Testament especially, we see that uh, God is referring to himself as a shepherd, that the people of Israel are like sheep, and that God is their shepherd. And so when Jesus uh, comes in, in in John 10 claiming to be 
a shepherd, that, that's a big deal. And we'll see, we'll see some of the responses to that. But even, even more to prove my point, I want us to, to look at selected verses from Ezekiel chapter 34. This is what's going on in folks' minds as Jesus is claiming to be the good shepherd. Uh, you can read Ezekiel 34 later if you'd like to. I'm just going to hit, hit a few uh, scriptures that, that most of them will be on the screen. But um, verse 2, we see all shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? So God's saying the, the folks who are leading Israel, they're, they're, not, they're not good leaders. They're not feeding the sheep. They're actually feeding off of the sheep. And it says, uh, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you've not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, and the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you've, you have ruled over them. So, so God is calling out uh, the bad shepherds that Israel had. He says that my sheep were scattered. They wandered over the mountains on every high, heel, high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with no one to search them or seek them. Uh, in verse 11, it says, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. God is saying, I will seek out, I will seek them out. Verse 12, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I'll rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on, on days of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from all the peoples and gather them from all the countries. I'll bring them into their own land. In verse, verse 15, Ezekiel uh, 34, he says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. God's saying, uh, you guys have failed, and I'm the one who's going who's gonna to step in. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I'm the one who's going to make them lie down to give them rest, declares the Lord God. And finally, uh, verse 22, the, la the last few verses, uh, verse 22 through 24, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. God is so kind when, when he sees his people hurting. He says, I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do something about it. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. This is talking about King David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, I am the Lord, and I have spoken. He says that David will be a prince. Because he's, he's, he's leaving room because David's not, David's not king of Israel. There's a king coming. David's a prince. But then Jesus, uh, Jesus steps in in John 10, and this is kind of uh, what we'll be looking at today. He, Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of Ezekiel 34 here in John 10. The shepherds of Israel, they have, they've neglected God's people. They let them scatter. They let them wander. Instead of feeding them, like a, a good shepherd does, they feed themselves. They don't give what belongs to the sheep to the sheep. They take it for themselves. And when, it, when one of their shepherds saw that the sheep was injured, they just kind of let it die. They didn't go after it. They didn't protect it. They didn't care for it. If a sheep had a broken leg, they didn't bind it up. They probably, they probably killed the sheep. Use it for food and use it for wool. 
they neglected God's people. The shepherds of Israel have neglected God's people, but God hasn't forgotten. God remembers the promise that he made to Abraham. He remembers his promise, and so he sends Jesus to be the rescuer. He sends Jesus to care for his sheep. We've mentioned this before, but uh, I, even last week, I believe, uh, Jesus doesn't, doesn't just come to be a good person for us to follow in the sense that uh, he's just a good teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher. He's saying, I am, I am God. I'm the one who's coming to fulfill. When, when Ezekiel was talking about God coming to be the shepherd of his sheep, Jesus says, here I am. Here I am. He's our good shepherd. So I uh, want us to, to look at three of the ways that, that Jesus is our good shepherd. Starting in, in verse 1, John 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold but by the door, but, by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out on all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they, they flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech that Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. The first thing that we see uh, at Jesus as our good shepherd he, he gathers God's people. He gathers God's people. Uh, when uh, verse, uh, verse 3 says that he calls his sheep by name, there's a, there's a knowing that's happening. The sheep know Jesus, and Jesus knows his sheep. Now, uh, God knows everything. He's, he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful, but he's also omniscient. He knows everything. But, but this type of knowing is different. This is, this is a, a biblical type of knowing, a way that a husband knows his wife. There's intimacy there. He doesn't just know uh, facts about her, right? A husband doesn't just know facts about his wife. He knows, he knows her. He knows her intimately, deeply. So uh, one way to think about this is that uh, our good shepherd, he knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows the facts about us. He knows our favorite color. He knows we like, what we like to order at our favorite restaurant, right? He knows how miserable it is to live in a state where there's like two major teams and the other team keeps winning and your team doesn't keep winning. Like he knows what that is like. <sighs> I mean, there's women's basketball, but you know. Uh, he, he knows you. But he doesn't just know facts about you. He knows the pain that you've been through. He knows, he knows the joys of your heart. He sees you when uh, you show up to work faithfully every single day, day after day, but you don't get the promotion. You don't get the promotion that you earned. He sees that your boss keeps giving your promotion, promotions away to your, your coworkers. He knows the way that you've uh, parented. He, he knows the way that you've, uh, in some sense, failed your children. And he's compassionate. He, but he knows, he knows the ways that you haven't measured up. 
he, he knows the way that, that your mind just works brilliantly. What, so maybe like an engineer who knows how to build bridges, right? He, he knows that about you. He knows the insecurities that you have about not being a good enough mom, not being a good enough dad. He knows about how hard you've been praying for your neighbors, maybe even a specific neighbor who you've been praying faithfully for years after year, and it's like there's, there's nothing. There's nothing spiritual going on in their lives. He knows uh, the pain of that. He knows about uh, abuse that you've been enduring, that you've just kept hidden because you're too ashamed to let anybody know. And not only does he know you, but according to this text, he calls you. If you're a Christian, you're one who has been called by the Good Shepherd. You've been called to follow Jesus. In the, in the first verse, he mentions uh, this idea of a sheepfold. That's basically like a, a big pen. It's like a, uh, like a huge area, a huge field that, that's got uh, a gate all around it. It's got a fence all around it. And the, the picture is that uh, in the olden times and even in, in rural places all across the world now, shepherds would, would lead their, their sheep to a, to a, a sheepfold. And, but there would be multiple uh, shepherds with all of their sheep in the sheepfold. And whenever the shepherd was ready to move to the next area, he would call his sheep. And only his sheep would follow him. So instead of each shepherd having to build their own fences to keep sheep in, there's just this big pen, lots of sheep. Uh, and Jesus says that in the sheepfold, there's other sheep. There are other sheep. There are sheep who would rather stay in the fold of religion. They're just comfortable with religion. They don't have to be too close to God, but they get the feelings. Uh, there's some sheep that they don't want to follow Jesus. They just want to stay uh, in the sheepfold of rebellion. They're just running, trying to pursue their own passion, their own desires, their own pleasure. Jesus says that he calls his own and his own follow him. They follow him. Every, every single one of Jesus' sheep, Jesus says, they follow me. In, in John 6, he says that every single one that the Father gives me will surely come. And then John 10, he's saying, my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. Those uh, that, that God the Father has given to Jesus before the foundation of the world, they hear him calling. And they come to him. They follow him. They don't, they don't become his sheep because, because they follow him. They follow him because they are his sheep. And that's good news for those of us who struggle with doubt, who struggle with uh, insecurities that, you know, am I really a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? Do you hear his voice and do you follow him? Because only his sheep follow him. It's good news for those of us who have been begging for God to work in the lives of our neighbors and our friends, and it just seems like he's not. We have trust that the good shepherd, it, we, have, we have assurance that we are not bad Christians. We are not bad missionaries. We know that Jesus is the only shepherd who can call his sheep. And so we go to him and we fervently pray that he would continue calling his people to himself. We pray on our neighbor's behalf, on our friend's behalf, on our co-workers' behalf. 
but we have faith and we can trust that his sheep, they, they know his voice and they follow him. And the response is to hear and to follow. Those who truly belong to Jesus will hear his voice and they will follow him. And we don't just follow him to the good life, right? We don't follow him just to prosperity. False sheep will, bad, sheep, bad shepherds uh, will promise that. Jesus doesn't promise that. Not in this life. Jesus says, if, if you're mine, you'll follow me all the way to the cross. So you might get a good job on the way. You might get a raise. You might get good benefits. But you might not. Are you going to follow me? Jesus says that if, you're, if you belong to him, you'll follow him. Another way that we can uh, kind of test our faith is just ask, am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus? There's a lot of shepherds out there. And they're looking for followers. These shepherds, they don't bind up their sheep when they get hurt, though. They don't search after them after the, when, when they run away. They don't feed them when they're hungry. Sometimes we can even be our own shepherds. We're not the good shepherd, though. Jesus doesn't say, I am a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. There's a lot of things in the world that aren't black and white. This is not one of them. Uh, sometimes what it looks like to follow ourselves, uh, when you come to, to Scripture that challenges you, when you come to Scripture that rubs up against you, when you come to Scripture that you might find you disagree with, who do you follow? Do you follow the author? Do you follow the culture? Do you follow your own intuition, your own wisdom? Or do you, do you follow the, the good shepherd? Uh, see, Jesus, Jesus as a good shepherd, he, he cares for God's people. He calls after us. But the, the second thing that we see is that Jesus protects God's people. So looking again, John 10 Skip down to verse 7. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life. And they may have it abundantly. So Jesus is now saying he's, he's the door. So the good shepherd, he is, he is the door. So uh, think about the door of, of the gate. He, he keeps out what is dangerous. And he keeps in what is good. The, John 10 is coming right on the heels of, of John 9, where religious leaders had just excommunicated a man because after being healed of his blindness... Uh, he, he confesses faith in Jesus. And the, the religious leaders say, have nothing to do with us. He confesses Jesus as Lord because he's healed of his blindness. And the leaders excommunicate him. They say, you're not one of us. You can't trust Jesus. You have to follow us. And Jesus is reminding them that uh, 
back in Ezekiel 34, he's reminding his people, sometimes your shepherds are evil. Sometimes your shepherds are wicked. They'll destroy you. But imagine what it would be like to be one of, the, one of these followers of the Pharisees. Like imagine what it would be like to have uh, been following these guys, been following their teaching all your life. And then to, they, they've, I mean, they've been keeping the law. They've been checking off all the right boxes. They've been doing every single thing that they've been told to do. And then Jesus says, these guys are wicked. Imagine what fear you would have. If, if for your entire life you were following people that you trusted and then you see, you see this prophet, Jesus, come in and he, he heals the sick. He binds the broken. And you see it with your own eyes. You know that th- this is real. And then these people that you've been trusting your entire life, they say, have nothing to do with him. Imagine what kind of fear they would have felt. They'd probably ask, I don't, Jesus, I don't know who to trust anymore. Because I've trusted these people my entire life. For some of us, we've, we've been around people that we've, we've trusted for a really long time, only to find out that they're not the real deal. And we know how hard that is. How much fear, I mean, there, there's just, a, it's like, it, who can you trust? This feeling of, I can't trust anybody. Jesus responds by saying, I'm the door, and that if anybody enters by me, he'll be saved. And he'll go in and out and find pasture, right? He's, there's, there's freedom in Christ. He goes in and out. You're not just in this pen of religion. There's freedom to find life and to find it abundantly. It's important that we're, we're careful in who we follow. So, uh, in working through recovery, like I mentioned, uh, I've seen a, a, lot of, a lot of what we deal with in recovery is uh, folks who are following uh, different shepherds. Uh, it comes down to a lot of different desires or different uh, motivations, but kind of boils down to either a desire for control. So someone comes to recovery and, and realizes deep down, I just want to be in control of everything or uh, a desire for approval. I just want to feel loved. I want to feel, feel valued. Or a, a desire for comfort. Life's hard, and I just, want to, I just want to make it. And so someone may walk into recovery because they believe that uh, they have uh, an issue with food. And in, in working through recovery, they find that, that they do use food often to cope with life, but but that's not what's at the root of what's going on in their heart. Their main, main desire is a desire for control. And whenever they're out of control, whenever life feels out of control, they turn to, to counting calories where, where they can be in perfect control of every single thing that goes in their body. Another common story we see at recovery is someone who comes in feeling that pornography is ruining their life, that pornography is completely uh, in charge of them. And they know that it's wrong, right? They know that, I know that Jesus doesn't want me to look at pornography. 
and I don't want to look at pornography, but it feels like I can't stop. And as we talk through what's going on underneath the surface, oftentimes they find that uh, they go to pornography because they don't, they don't feel lovable. They don't feel worthy of love by any, any person in the world. And so oftentimes they turn to an image or a screen to find the love and acceptance that they can't find anywhere else. But what happens when they're hurting? Pornography isn't going to bind them up. When they're hungry, pornography, pornography steals energy. It does not bring life. We all follow a shepherd. All of us follow a shepherd. What Jesus is saying in John 10 is, follow me, because I'm the good shepherd. And he's calling us to follow him. If you're going to follow a shepherd, and you are, make it the good shepherd. We also see in, uh, in these verses that Jesus protects his, his sheep from, from the destruction of sin, right? But he also gives us joy. He gives us joy. Uh, church fathers would say that the chief end of man, the main goal of humanity is to bring glory to God and enjoy him, not just temporarily, but forever. Joy, it doesn't mean, like, like I mentioned, it's not, it doesn't mean that everything in life is rainbow and butterflies. But what it means is that his pro- he promises us joy that is bigger. He promises us joy that lasts longer than any of our troubles, than any of our sufferings. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, with the good shepherd, we won't fear. We're still walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But with the good shepherd, we don't have to fear. Even when armies uh, are encamped around us, continuing on from the, the imagery from Psalm 23, even when armies are encamped around us, Jesus spreads out a banquet table for us so we get to eat a meal in the sight of our enemies. Sometimes in, enemies are, all, are around us. Jesus isn't saying, follow me and I'll make sure you don't have enemies. Follow me and I'll make sure you don't ever have to walk through the valley of death. He says, follow me and I'll be with you no matter what happens. The one rule in the Garden of Eden was, was intended to protect our joy. God is not a bully who arbitrarily uh, enforces rules to make us miserable. Jesus himself is is perfectly happy. He is infinitely happy. And he gives us rules to protect our happiness, not to take it away from us. Verse 10 says that if if your life is, is about anything other than Jesus, that thing will steal your joy. If you're if you're following any other shepherd, that shepherd will rob you of joy. It's a promise. It's one of the promises of Scripture. It will rob you of joy. It will rob you of delight that you, you freely can have in Christ. If you pursue anything as ultimate in our lives other than Jesus, it fails us. All the shepherds that we follow other than the good shepherd, they fail us. 
over and over. But we see in John 10 that in Christ, regardless of the circumstances, we can find joy and we can find abundant life. Not an abundance of possessions, not even, not even always an abundance of laughter, but life. And the good shepherd promises that the closer that we walk with him, the more intimately that we follow him, the greater our joy will be, the fuller our lives will be, the more full our lives will be. So the call for the Christian this morning, for all of us, stop wandering from the good shepherd. Follow him. Stop wandering to find your own pastures in relationships or in your job or in your parenting. The false shepherds of Israel, they cast the sheep aside. They endangered their lives. But Jesus is the good shepherd. He lovingly protects his people. Lastly, uh, verses 11 through uh, 18, Jesus dies for God's people. So Jesus gathers God's people. He protects God's people. And finally, he dies for God's people. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for, for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves. He leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus proves. He doesn't just say that he is a good shepherd. All shepherds say they're a good shepherd. No other shepherd is going to die for you. When we were singing how great is our God, it's like this is, this is how great our God is, that he would willingly die to be with us that he would willingly die to purchase us, that he would willingly die to satisfy the wrath of God that we deserve, that we earned. He's different from the other religious leaders. He's different from all the other shepherds. To, to the other religious leaders, whenever they get scared, they run. Whenever danger comes, they flee. When a predator attacks in the middle of the, of the night, you're out of there. And as long as you're faster than the slowest sheep, you're fine. Right? Because the sheep, they're just your job. They're just a job. And no job is worth losing your life for. A hired hand loves his life more than he loves his sheep. All other shepherds love their life more than they love the sheep. But Jesus isn't a hired hand. Jesus is the good shepherd. The sheep belong to him. And he, he loves them. 
He loves them even more than he loves his own life. And that's why he lays his life down for his sheep. Because when he sees the enemy coming, he doesn't run. He steps out in front of the sheep. So if you follow the good, the good shepherd, you have, you have this promise. Nothing is going to come at you that Jesus will not step in front of. And he's proven it on the cross. The, the, the danger that Jesus is sheeper, and our chief danger, right, is, is death. That's what's coming for us all. And we earned it. We earned our death. We earned the wrath of God that was coming toward us. And he didn't die. Jesus didn't die simply to be an example for us. He died because we were in real danger. We were in real need. And he died in our place and by his death, we're saved. But the good shepherd, he didn't stay dead because Jesus is victorious. Uh, He's a living shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd still today because he's alive. There's a, a pastor out in Texas that says, when we're tired, he brings us to rest in green pastures. When we're thirsty, he guides us to the refreshing spring. When we're uncertain, he leads us on the paths of righteousness. When we're scared, when we're afraid, he comforts us with his presence. And as you follow him, goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. So I want to close asking a simple question. Who are you following? You are following someone. You are following someone. Is it a good shepherd? Is it the good shepherd? Is it yourself? Is it your desire for comfort, your desire for love, your desire for companionship? Is it your desire for control? The call of of Jesus today in in his word is uh, follow him. He's saying, follow me because I'm the good shepherd. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for us, and after I do, we're gonna we're gonna respond by by taking communion together. On the on the night that that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and uh, he gave thanks for it, and then he broke it, and he said, "Take this and eat. This is my body broken for you. And when you eat of it, remember me. Remember my broken body." And in the same way, after supper, he. He took the cup of wine. We use grape juice because we're Baptist. But he took the cup of wine. And he said, and he said, this blood, this is the blood of, of the new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me. Remember my blood spilled for you. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I'm going to pray for us. And then uh, we've got communion in the back. So if you're a Christian, uh, we'd invite you to, to, to take communion. We'd invite you to, to take the bread, to dip it in the grape juice, and to eat it, and to remember the broken body and the blood that was shed for you by the good shepherd. If you're, if you're not a Christian, uh, we're glad that you're here today. We love you. Uh, but this is, this is not something that, that we would invite you to participate in. It's not because we, we don't like you or we're mad at you, but it's simply because this is not true for you. And we, would, we would love for you to, to become a Christian even today. 
we would love for you to talk to, to myself or, or to Landon or to any of the other uh, deacons here. We would love for, for today to be the day that you finally uh, respond to the voice of the Good Shepherd. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that, that you care for us. I thank you that you, you protect us. And Jesus, I thank you that you, uh, you call us your own. And you call us to follow you, even, even to the point of death. And that Jesus, when you call us uh, to take up our cross daily, you're, you're not calling us to do something that you haven't done. But you're calling us to follow you in the way that you have loved us. Jesus, I thank you that you are a good shepherd. I thank you that you are safe for us to follow. That, that when, we're, when we're sick, you comfort us. Jesus, when, when we're hurting, you bind us up. Jesus, I thank you that when we wander away, you search out for us. Father, I pray that uh, you would continue to work in our, in our hearts and in our lives today. Jesus, that uh, for those who, who aren't yet following you, that, that today would be the day that they hear your voice, that today would be the day that they follow you. In your name, Jesus, amen.